So welcome back, everybody. I know we've been uh, MIA for, I think, over a little over a week, but we're back. Don't worry. He's had some traveling going on, all that good stuff. So um, we're back with episode 16 already. You guys should be listening to this, I believe, on September 9th. Um, just me and Chris, as always. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone had a good Labor Day weekend. Yes. Hope so. Um, so episode 16, like I said, sweater number 16. I'll go with Devil's Shootout Legend, Jacob Joseph Finn. Oh, I butchered that last name, but you, you know, everyone remembers. Well acquainted with Mr. Josephson. So, yes. uh, Chris, who do you have here? I have Devil's Legend Game 7 2003, Mike Rupp, Mr. Clutch. He wore 16? Is he that did what wear he wore? 16 in the playoffs, yeah. What do you wear with the Rangers? Like 71 or yeah, something real like weird? Yeah, 71 or something like that. Yeah. So there's your two jersey numbers for episode 16 here. So we'll jump right into it now. Start out, as always, with some current news. There's a lot going on while uh, we were away for a little over a week. Yeah, right. Um, we'll recap takeaways from the conference semifinals. Then we'll preview and predict the conference finals. We are recording this after each game one has been played. So a little heads up there. We're going to go in TSN release their top. 20 trade bait board these are always fun so we're gonna go through each uh go through the 20 see if anything caught our eyes maybe talk about a few guys we think the devils might want to go after and then that'll be a perfect segue into part two the final part of our full big the devil's offseason preview um in part two we're just going to reiterate the holes in the devil's roster we came up with last episode episode 15 basically breaking down the depth chart. So we'll reiterate the holes we found. We'll also be speaking about who the devil should target specifically in free agency. And finally, we'll have the very fun armchair GM segment where me and Chris will lay out how the devil should approach your off season going from who they should draft kind of, kind of just bringing everything we've talked about together these past two episodes. So we're going to have a little fun with that. And uh, yeah, so that'll be what episode 16 entails. We're going to show why the devil should have hired us as GMs, baby. Yes, indeed. So, like I said, as always, current news. First thing, I, I wouldn't call this news. It's probably nothing, but Devils Insiders on Twitter pointed out that the Devils removed um, Gates Orlando, who's their director of amateur scouting, and Roland Melanson, who or Roland Melanson, who is their Devils goaltending coach. Um, their names are no longer on Devils website. Whether this means the Devils are just doing a little makeover to their website or something's really here. Um, this I think happened a few days now and we haven't heard anything since. So that's just something that happened. Keep your eyes on that. Also, Mirko Mueller during the week signed with a Swiss protein uh, HC Lugano, I think is how you pronounce that. But that doesn't mean he's gone. Um, he's a, a, he's a restricted free agent. So if the devils want to tender him, bring him back, he could always come back, but worth noting there. Thankfully, the Vancouver Canucks lost their series, so ensures the Devils the 20th overall pick. So the three Devils picks are finally finalized. They have the 7th, which is their own, the 18th, which is Arizona, which was finalized when they lost, and finally the 20th, which was just finalized when Vancouver lost. Next up, Taylor Hall, um, well, Taylor Hall news. Darren Drager said on TSN 690, just some speculation. He thinks Montreal would be a good fit for Hall, and he uh, thinks Montreal is going to go after him in free agency. So 
uh, Hall's used, it makes sense. And I think Dreger even said this, how Hall's used to the media in Edmonton and how brutal it could be. So that'd be a fit there. Montreal, I'm sure has the money to bring Hall in and be a good addition to their top six. So that's something. Yeah, they were kind of tied to him before when he was with us as well. They're, they were a name that were floated out there. So um, that's yeah, I remember. to hear them again. I remember silly us thinking about all the wonderful prospects we could swing away from Montreal in the trade. Instead, we got nothing against Kevin Ball, but you know how that trade ended. So, I mean, I still think it was a, it was an okay trade, but just a little tangent there. But some more Montreal Canadiens news. They traded for backup goaltender Jake Allen. They received Jake Allen from the Blues as well as a 2022 seventh-round pick. In return, Montreal gave up a third-round pick, which is actually Washington's third-round pick, and a seventh-round pick, which is via Chicago. Keep in mind, Montreal had, like – an absolute stockpile of draft picks. So they moved a couple of those for Jake Allen, I guess solving their backup goaltender issues Uh, going on the Twitter sphere. It seems like Canadians fans were very unpleased with their backup goaltending situation last year. Mm -hmm. I know they had Kincaid there and Kincaid just lost it. Like he's no longer an NHL goalie anymore. It doesn't seem, um, but they have Caden Primo, who's a really good young netminder. Um, he's one of the names that were bouncing around when people thought Taylor Hall might come to New Jersey. Uh, Taylor Hall was going to Montreal and Primo possibly coming back as a prospect. He played, I think, only a game or two, but he played really, really well. I thought he would be the next goalie there. Um, I guess not. And Montreal was uncomfortable with that. So they went and brought in Jake Allen. So I, I thought this is funny. The Montreal Canadiens between Carey Price and Jake Allen, uh, Allen signed through next year. They're going to have almost 15 million tied up in two goaltenders. Yeah. How crazy is that? It, it's pretty crazy. You don't really see yeah. that that much. Uh, I will say you don't see the that Like it, I think they envision him as like the goaltender of the future for post price. So I'm guessing they don't want to well, rush post any price kind of isn't like, but is I mean, post price not for like another like six years. Who who knows? Maybe Montreal, you know, trades him towards the end of his contract or something. Who knows what they're thinking? But Primo is a, a widely regarded top prospect good. for goaltenders. So I think I mean, it's, you know, part of it's also that too. They're not rushing him in any kind of development or, you know, have price feel like there's this goalie controversy going on that really isn't. So, well, price is under contract for six more years at 10.5 million. So I don't mm-hmm. see him going anywhere anytime soon, but I do think Keaton Primo's the like heir to the throne there. Yeah. In Montreal. I don't see no reason why he can serve as a backup and Jake Allen. I mean, he had a pretty big cap hit. I think it was just under 4 million or around 4 million. So, yeah, a good trade for St. Louis opens up more room to bring back their captain, Alex Petrangelo. Um, So, yeah, I think this was a really good move for St. Louis. I'm not really sure what Montreal was doing, but, you know, that's why we're not being paid the big bucks, I guess. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Friedman confirmed, as many people have probably noticed, there will be no Steven Stamkos for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. Don't worry, though. I think they'll be just fine. More on that later. Um, (laughs) Also, it actually happened earlier today, a couple hours ago. That was announced via their Twitter page or social media um, that they have hired Mark Recchi as an assistant coach. Uh, Recchi, of course, is the 22-year veteran of the NHL. He's a Hockey Hall of Famer, correct? Right? He's yep. a Hockey Hall of Famer. Yep. Um, so he was in charge. He was most recently served as the Pittsburgh Penguins assistant coach. He was let go after this year. 
I believe. Um, so Pittsburgh's power play, uh, picks Pittsburgh power play. He was in charge of this when he was over there. And that's probably what he's going to be doing under, uh, Roth in New Jersey. It was ranked first. It was ranked fifth. And this year it was ranked 18th. Keep in mind though, this year, I know 18th got Crosby milk and all those cats. Why isn't it better? So let me read, uh, some stats here to you. Phil Kessel was traded from the Penguins, so they didn't have Kessel this year. Malkin missed 14 games. Crosby missed 28. Gensel missed 30. Brian Russ missed 14. And Patrick Hornquist missed 12. I think that might have to do with their power play only being ranked 18th. Um, I think that's pretty impressive for missing all those guys. Yeah. But sure. um, yeah, so Mark Recchi's in New Jersey. I mean, I don't know a ton about him, but just looking at these power play numbers from Pittsburgh and his time there. Yeah, I know they got Crosby, they got Malkin, they had Kessel, they had all those guys, but I think he's going to, I think he'll be a good addition to the staff. Um, this is Ruff's first major hire to the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I like devil specific news. Yeah. I, I think it's a solid move. I mean, like yeah. I said, I don't know too much about them, but so that's all the news we have for you. Um, Chris, I don't know if I missed anything. You got anything to add? We all good. No, I think you basically covered it. I mean, uh, the NHL did mention, obviously, with the remainder of the playoffs now moving to Edmonton, all occurring at Rogers Place. They did another <laughs> round of testing, and again, there were no positives. So, um, I I think this should it, it probably be a future topic in a future podcast episode, but uh, don't be surprised to see some kind of bubble format for the regular season next year, yes. maybe four cities, because yep. it's clear that it works and it's clear we'll have some that fun with that. That's a good topic. Season, you're going to have to do it. So until yeah. things sorted out, that'll be a fun topic um, yep. to do in upcoming episode because you saw not to get into it too much, but you've seen with the MLB, how like the athletics most recently, the Mets, the Marlins, the Cardinals have had all issues and yeah. hockey. Unfortunately, you cannot have two period uh, long double headers in hockey. Um, you can't do your, <laughs> your legs. The MLB is doing those seven inning double headers, but um, yeah. yeah, that'll be a fun topic we'll talk about later on, but that's something they're definitely going to have to consider for next year. So moving along now, uh, segment number two, we're going to recap the conference semifinals, which ended now like four days ago, I think, or five days ago. And whatever takeaways we have, we'll start in the East, start with this Boston-Tampa series. I don't remember because I feel like the episode we recorded for 15 was so long ago. It really only was like a week ago, but I don't know how much of the series we talked about. Tampa ended up winning it in five. I mean, it was a pretty dominant performance. Tampa, I think, was just showing their depth is too much on paper. They're more talented than Boston. I mean, these are two very talented hockey teams. kind of sucks that Boston had to run into Tampa this early. I mean, I'm okay with it because... Boston sports teams, no thanks. But I feel like Boston kind of deserved to maybe not face Tampa into the conference finals. But anyway, they ran into Tampa too much for them. Maybe it was a fact of getting to be too much for Yaroslav Halak after being a backup all year. Whatever it was, didn't end well for Boston. Tampa ended up winning it in five. Chris, anything you want to mention here? Yeah, I think the Leafs fans would disagree with you about how unfortunate it is Boston running into Tampa. <laughs> Leafs fans had to run into Boston like the past two, three years. Um, I, I mean, my greatest concern was how Halak was going to perform. Um, I knew he was great in the tandem role with Rask, but stepping into that spotlight position, I don't pin them losing the series on Halak. Um, no, I, I don't just either. Think, again, Tampa was Tampa's just, just too a- deep. Um, they're a powerhouse. The the 
whatever line they call it in Boston. I'm drawing a blank on it. It's Marchand. It's Bergeron. It's Pasta. They they have a name for that. Um, They had moments, but they they were controlled for the most part. So. Yeah, so that was that series. And the other Eastern Conference final series, finally, the (laughs) Philadelphia Flyers are going home. See you later. Um, I mean, this is a long overdue. Last round, they were outplayed by Montreal. Um, Carter Hart was being Carter Hart, and they got them through to this round. And they yeah. forced seven. They took the Islanders a seven. Really gave me a scare there. I thought they, they were no doubt Especially going to the pull Especially because the Islanders out. were the better team in five and six. The Just Islanders were the better team luck. in one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. But they still <laughs> had to go to seven. Um, oh, before – uh, we go too much longer. The NHL is like, hey, we didn't get any game sevens round one. You guys want all the game sevens? Well, yeah, they shoved them down our throat. We had three game sevens uh, with all these, which was great. Game seven hockey is always good, even though there was no fans. But we'll go back now talking about this Islanders Flyers years. Like I said, um, the Islanders did their classic thing where like they didn't have necessarily the quantity. And a lot of that had to do with the Flyers playing from behind um, most of the games it felt like but they had the quality chances it shows this in their expected goals numbers and like their high danger numbers and all that over the series uh game seven was just a dominant performance by the islanders what was the final score in that one four nothing five nothing yeah they, they blanked them so. yeah uh, and carter hart he, he you can't blame the series at all on him but even coming in the series i think it was kind of Known that in order for the Flyers to get by the Islanders, that Carter Hart had to be the Carter Hart in the Montreal series. So um, what's crazy yeah. is like the Islanders scored like two or three goals the same exact way coming into on one backdoor. Like that was like two or three of their goals in that game. You know, you think fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, sure. However that goes, <laughs> going yeah. blank on the phrasing. But you would think after the first time they'd be more ready for it. And uh, I, I swear it happened like on two or three of the goals in that game. Cause I remember yeah. they pulled their goalie with like five or six minutes left, but they were down four, nothing in game seven. You know, you, at that point you got to do it. It doesn't matter how early. So, yeah, I mean, it's good and all that the flyers got bounced. I was very, very happy. Um, I would have been very disappointed yes, if they squeaked by long Island, but um, Carter Hart's legit and it's going to be a thorn in the devil's side for a long time. I mean, the devils are in good hands with Blackwood. Yeah. Like Carter Hart's the real deal. So, um, yeah, that was your East for you. So now we got Tampa and the Islanders facing off in the conference finals. We'll talk about this series just in a little bit. Move out West now. And we have the Vancouver and Vegas series. Um, this was, uh, I don't know what Vancouver, I don't know what Vancouver was doing in the playoffs to get the luck they were getting. Like I've never seen anything like it before in my life. I mean, I, I did call it. I did call it. It, it, I said had, I could see it going six or seven. It had no business going anywhere past like four, five, maybe. I mean, it was just a complete dominance. Vegas held the Corsi advantage. It was 61.79 there. Expected goals were 65.63. They held the share there. Um, I mean, you say you don't know how, but in reality, it was just uh, goaltending. Uh, Thatcher Demeco, he's the real deal. Um, it, just unbelievable. At one point, he saved like 99 of the past 100 shots. So he literally had a 99% save percentage. Yeah, Demko That's was just, just crazy. Absolutely unreal. Deeper dive into the goaltending numbers. Believe it or not, the five-on-five save percentages were pretty similar where it came 
to like where the real difference was, was high danger uh, save percentage. So if Astro Demeco had a point nine. uh had a 0.913 high danger save percentage, which is absolutely unreal. Usually you see that with numbers in the eights, and that's where the Vegas save percentage was. Um, Demeco's 5v5, uh, we're not Demeco, the Canucks total 5v5 save percentage with 9.43, which again is just unreal. It was higher than uh, Vegas's, but not by a ton. Like I said, insane goaltending performance there for Vancouver. Their luck finally ran out, finally. I mean, I was worried there. Like, I was <laughs> real, real worried there. there. <laughs> like, it was just, it was crazy. Um, I don't know. Vancouver storybook ending comes to a close there. A little takeaway here with the Mecco doing so well. This will relieve the pressure on them on having to bring Jacob Markstrom back. I feel like they would have been really, really pressured to bring him back if he didn't play. If uh, the Mecco didn't play and dominate like that, it's a no. It, it's no secret that the Mecca is the goaltender of the future there. I mean, even during the yeah. regular season, he was putting up good numbers and they've been grooming him for a while now down in uh, Utica. So yeah, Demko has been in their system for a while. I'm sure when the next Olympics roll around, don't be surprised to see him, John Gibson and whoever the third is going to be. Corey Schneider, baby. <laughs> hey, who knows? Who knows, man? <laughs> who knows? Stranger things have happened. Yeah. So yeah, Vegas ended up winning this one in seven. This was one of the three that went to seven. Dallas and Colorado was the last series. And just to keep in mind here, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Philly Islanders series, Vancouver, Vegas, and Dallas, Colorado, all three of these before going to seven were all 3 1? Yes. All 3 yes. 1 on the cusp so, of elimination. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little crazy thing there, too, as well. So. Dallas, Colorado, last series out west. Colorado, when you look at the the series like as a whole, it was probably the most even series out of them all. Um, it was yeah. definitely the most even series out of them all. Um, nowhere near the imbalance of the two series in the east. I mean, Tampa dam- uh, dominated Boston for the most part. The Islanders dominated Philly for the most part. And it was nowhere mm-hmm. near close to the domination Vegas yeah. had on Vancouver. Um the difference I found here, because I really want to know what the difference was, because these teams, you look at all the numbers, they were pretty even. 5v5 yeah. save percentage was the same. The generation, Colorado generated slightly more, but nothing crazy. It was high danger save percentage. High danger save percentage for Colorado was 818, and for Dallas was 857. Um, so that's what. And Hudobin still played most of that series, 40, right? I think points. Bishop played like maybe a game or two. Yeah, he played Kudobin one or two. They went right back to Kadobin. Yeah. Um and not saying the goaltender was uh, goaltending was bad. I mean, high danger save percentage, those no. numbers are always in the eights. It was just that forty percent or however you want to say that number was the difference in the series, which is just crazy to think about. That's one of the cool things in hockey. Um, It it was an awesome series. I mean, 57 goals scored in seven games. That's unreal. So if you're a betting guy, I hope you took the over in each and every single one of the games (laughs) because I think it hit in every single game. Um, And I know me and Chris, we both ragged on Dallas a lot here in the beginning. We both called them out. (laughs) I mean, we, but we both acknowledged that Dallas has the pieces. It's, just they yes. weren't performing and they're finally yeah. performing to where their pieces were and it's good to see for dallas fans i mean i yes. got no gripe against dallas no i think not. I, they have a lot of fun players there john klingberg's great to watch mir heiskanen he's solid um ben bishop how he's kind of just been there i know he hasn't been playing but just how he's 
evolved as a goalie and became one of the best goalies in the whole entire league. You got yeah. Sagan and Ben offensively. Um, and Joe Pavelski, too. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, Some so, yeah. There. I mean, yeah. Dallas we, took we it in never, seven. You know, we never ragged on Dallas because we thought they were a bad team. It was just like you said. It was the question mark of how how is this team not – performing at the level they're expected to and you know the fact of turning it around within like a couple days it's just seemed not probable but again dallas making me eat my words and and good for the stars good for their fans yes sir um so a little recap of our predictions here i kind of cheated remember it was the last episode was the same thing where we made our predictions like after game one um yeah i had the other three i got uh i correctly predicted before the series started the tampa bay the islanders and vegas i think you did too yeah i think we predicted the same yeah and then the dallas colorado series i was like you know what Give me Dallas after the game one. So I guess you could say I was three and a half and at half if you want to, or you can, you know what? Just find me the four. No, I'm going to say I was four now predicting that <laughs> round. So, um, yeah, so that's where we're at. Chris, did you go? I forget. Did you say stick with I, Colorado? I, three and one. I stuck with Colorado. Yeah. So, so just a little fun we're having there, but Colorado that was how we predicted some, uh, it. Goaltending this off season. Yeah, they will. They definitely will be. Hopefully for them, it's not Braden Holpe, though. But that, <laughs> we'll talk about that at a different time. So yeah. we're going to move on to the conference finals previews and predictions. Like we said, we are filming this after game one of each series was played. However, we locked in our predictions. Me and Chris both said our predictions to each other. Yes. So we're not lying to you. Yes. I have Tampa Bay in six and Vegas in six. Chris what are your predictions that you told me? Uh, I had Tampa in uh, six or seven, I believe. One of those two. I, I saw it being a longer series. And then um, I had Vegas in uh, seven. So Tampa yeah, so, in six or seven, Vegas in seven. Okay. So we'll talk about the E-Series first. And game one of the series was last night. It was on Monday night. And Tampa Bay showed up and just absolutely demolished. On there. So yeah, it was an 8 final. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's a surprise. I mean, Tampa Bay is just an absolute juggernaut. Um, they went with Grice, and Grice got lit, uh, lit up early. They pulled him right away because he gave up three goals in the first what, like four minutes of the game. So they had to yeah. pull Grice. And Varlamov came in, and he gave up five goals and twenty five shots. Um, it was just, it was just not the Islanders' night. I mean, sometimes it just happens, but I'm not too surprised that it's Tampa doing it to them. I mean, Tampa is just an absolute firehouse uh, powerhouse. And um, the Islanders' play style, I think it's good enough to get them to a point, but I don't think that whole locking them down type of deal and uh, trying to play a game like, yeah, you're going to give up some chances, but they're not going to be all that high quality. I don't know if you could ride that in today's NHL all the way to a Stanley Cup with how some of these teams are built, like Tampa Bay, these fast-paced, just skilled teams. So Tampa Bay, like we said, don, uh, demolished uh, the Islanders 8-2. to two. Game 2 is Wednesday night, so that's September 9th. So you guys should be hearing this episode the morning before this game um, or the morning of this game. So breaking the series down, I'll give you my take real quick. More more value stuff I've already been talking about a little bit here. Um, like I said, Tampa is just a far superior team on paper and talent-wise. Um, this just comes down to if New York Islanders kind of style of – 
keeping everything to the outside, relying on their defense and goaltending and taking their chances when they get them and converting works. And as I just vehemently said, I don't think this is going to work here, um, especially with how Vasilevsky has been playing. Um, before this whole playoff started, me and Chris both agreed a lot on Tampa's success is going to hinge on how Vasilevsky plays, and he's been playing great. Um, the only thing that caught my eye here is, would you say that Columbus's system is very similar to how Tampa plays? Or not Tampa, um, how the Islanders play? Uh, the very defensive, relying on goaltending. Um, they're going to give up some chances, but they're going to keep everything to the outside type deal. I, I would say that, except uh, they have Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski on defense, whereas the Islanders, they're kind of more of an average decor, I would say. Yeah. Uh, spread out, you know, yep. in terms of the so talent that did, skill. That did catch my eye a little bit, and we know how uh, Columbus did upset um, Tampa Bay last year, but then Tampa Bay ran through them this year. I don't know. I think everything here is against the Islanders. I mean, the only thing is Tampa has no Stamkos, but they've showed all playoffs long. This shouldn't be too big of a deal. So, like I said, Tampa in six. Go ahead, Chris. You can break this one down now. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to go six or seven, and uh, – I read this morning John Cooper talked to the media and they, they asked him about game one and he came out and said, you know, I I would not watch the rest of the series expecting that kind of performance. Yeah. <laughs> he considers it a one-off. And to be quite honest, I do too. I think I, I watched game one last night. I was able to uh, – I was traveling a little bit so I had some trouble watching some of the games, but I was able to watch last night. And – that game just seemed like a combination of the Islanders not showing up and Tampa absolutely being ready. Uh, and if there's, you know, if there's a difference between not showing up for a team like uh, well, the Coyotes or the Devils versus not showing up against Tampa. There's, there's a difference. Um, so I think that's kind of what happened last night in the first three goals. I mean, I... I said in our chat yesterday that, like, you know, maybe you pin the third one on Grice, but after seeing the replay on that one, I wouldn't even pin that on Grice. I mean, yeah, he gave up three goals on nine shots, but the first goal point literally skates around into the front of the net. He shouldn't be able to do that. You know, the defenseman should be there to knock him over. Um, Just too much time and space in front of the net. And then uh, Hedman scored with a complete screen from Kalorn on the power play. Nobody picked up Kalorn. Nobody cleared out the front of the net. And then McDonough's was a similar thing. It was uh, another screen in front. Grice couldn't see it. No one picking up their man or clearing out the front. And it, it didn't really change at all throughout the game. The Islanders got some chances, but they need to they need to tighten up defensively and, and show up for these next couple games, which I think they will. But that was the main takeaway I had from last night. Tampa was ready and the Islanders never were. And they just couldn't get their game together once they went down three, nothing three, one basically. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's possible to replicate an eight, two performance, no. but I certainly don't think this series is going to be all that close. I know I said in six weird things happen. I mean, look at that Vancouver Vegas series. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think Tampa's a pretty good. Uh, I don't want to say lock because whenever I say stuff like that, it always comes back to haunt <laughs> me. So I'll just say I think they're a pretty good bet to make it to the uh, Stanley Cup final. But we shall see. Um, we're going to move out west now. And this game was two nights ago. And Dallas and Anton Kadobin did a great job and shut out the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Um, just a quick little recap for that. Uh, for in that game for you, uh, periods one and two were all Dallas. They were actually you could you could say the word dominant. Um, Vegas just didn't have a lot going for them in those two periods, and they woke up in the third and they were much uh, much better in the third and were the better team. They just weren't able to break through, and Kadovan had a twenty five save shutout. So, Chris, go ahead and you can break this down uh, this one down first, and I'll hop in after you. Yeah. So I I'm not really get a chance to catch all of this i kind of had to catch up on it after the fact um so i i can't go into too much detail on this one but i will say that i feel like the stars are just are they they're on this this ride right now that they're hot at the right time they're the team that's hot at the right time just like the blues were last year just like most teams that make these deep runs are they're not necessarily the best but they get hot at the right time i'm not surprised the stars keep going with Udobin, it hasn't really burned them yet. And Bishop, you know, whatever injury he's dealing with, if Udobin can hold down the fort, that just gives Bishop more time to kind of heal when he is needed. Um, it should be an interesting series. I Again, I would expect Vegas to, you know, dominate the series, but they gave me some scares against Vancouver, uh, <coughs> you know, with that draft pick. So, yeah. This could be more of a toss-up. We'll, we'll see. Um, Vegas, I would imagine, in in my opinion, is the deeper team. But, I mean, Dallas has basically proved me wrong this entire playoff each time I've chosen against them. So, Yeah, um, for me, the same thing with Dallas. I mean, they're hot at the right time. And it's not like they got lucky in game one either. They deserved that game. Um, although Vegas mm-hmm. did play tough in the third period, Dallas deserved that game. I, I got to stick with my guns here. I mean, I've been preaching how Vegas – I've had them pick for the Stanley Cup to win it all since day yeah. one. I got, I, got some, I got some change on them. Um, <laughs> Vegas just been steamrolling everyone. I mean, even that Vancouver series in 0-7, they were definitely the better team. Now, Vegas did have a little bit of an easier path. Uh, definitely had the easier yeah. path to get yeah, here. So sure. that's something worth mentioning. Um I a thing here with Vegas, they cannot overthink the goaltending situation. They went with Flurry game one, which is fine because they probably want to give Leonard a rest because he's going to be playing a lot down here. But I don't think they could overthink it. That could really hurt them. They got to ride Leonard unless something real crazy happens where he just looks like he doesn't have it anymore. I yeah. think really that's the only thing that could get them screwed up. I, I don't think Kadobin's going to be able to sh- keep keeping Vegas off the scoreboard. I gotta go. I'm gonna stick with Vegas, like I said. Um, Vegas and yeah, I said Vegas and six. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I have here. Let's go. Let's go Vegas. So I've been rooting for them. Then Dallas and, is probably uh, win this series. The I against them again. Yeah. So who knows? It's hockey. Weird things happen. So, alrighty, we'll move on from this. We're moving to segment four now. We're flying. Look at us. So TSN trade bait board, they released it. I think it was last week. Always fun to look at. Me and Chris has have them pulled up. If you haven't looked at it yet, I'd recommend taking a look at it. There's some cool names on here. We're not going to sit here and read you all the top 20. Um, there is a devil on here, Mr. Kyle Palmieri. Yes. I don't like seeing that. I don't need no happy seeing that. I mean, we all know the little stressful kind of like, kind of, what's the word? Kind of like fake out almost. Like it looked yeah. like they were gonna trade Palmer, and then they were like, "No, we would <clears> never <throat> trade Palmer. That would be silly." Tom yeah. Fitzgerald basically said. So he he appeared back on here. I don't think he's going anywhere this offseason. I don't either. No. Um, 
if anyone's getting traded, and I'm going to talk about this later on, I think there's a good chance we see Miles Wood moved in a deal with for like a top six forward or a defenseman. That's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, he checks in at seventh, Kyle Palmieri, out of this top 20. So that's pretty high. I'm yeah. assuming it's just because his name was thrown around at the trade deadline. So I don't see him going anywhere. I mean, mm. maybe – I can't tell you how next season's going to go. He does have one year left on his contract. Yeah. And if the Devils don't think, don't want to bring him <clears> back or they can't work anything out, then you might see him dealt mid season by the trade deadline. But I, I'm like 95% sure he's not going to go anywhere um, during the off season. Yeah. So I feel the Devils are more likely to try and get him extended than to actually move him. Yeah. Um, he, he's the Jersey boy. I mean, I'm a huge Kyle Palmer fan. I, when we had that captain series who were, talking about who we think the next captain of the devil should be. I was throwing Kyle Palmer's name out there. So um, I'm looking more down this list. Now I think it would just be a good idea for me and Chris to kind of go through it and talk about names that caught our eye, possible guys we think the devil should possibly pursue because I think we're going to see the devils make a trade for a bigger name just because they have three first round picks and they do have a couple holes they need to address. And we've seen in the past, they bring in Marcus Johansson was a top six forward. They brought in the off season that still had juice on his contract um, for a few draft picks. So I think we're going to see a similar trade like that. Um, so let's see here. My first name that catches my eye checks in at number 12. Chris, do you have anyone before that, that you think the devil should, I had the very same guy on my list. Um, anyone before that though? Maybe, maybe Ekman Larson. He, so believe it or not, he had a terrible year last year. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I think it's been for the past couple of years because I don't know when I look into him. It wasn't because of this list, but I pulled up his like fancy numbers and I was looking at just him as an overall player and he was not doing well. I don't know if it's just because that team's not too great or whatever, Mm. but um yeah, uh, Devils do need a left-handed defenseman. Yeah, he's a good really defenseman. He's anymore. out in Arizona. He only, you know, you could say his performance was not as good because he's been out in Arizona. Uh, the only, I guess, the reason why this probably won't happen is because you're looking at a guy who's got, I believe, 825 per year million in his contracts. Oh yeah, um, that's not happening. With 7 years left and he's not that Arizona's type of not a, anymore. Yeah, Arizona's not a team that can even retain salary at this point. You know, we've already discussed their cap situation and uh we've already got a lot of money tied up in the blue line and I'm sure a lot more will be given out in the future. So the the, the cap hit is probably the main reason why I see the Devils staying away from it, but it was a name that did catch my eye cuz it kind of does fit a need. Yeah, I at this point he's 29 years old too. I'm telling you, his numbers are just not pretty anymore. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Maybe it's just a fluky couple seasons. But you know what? We'll read this list to you. So Matt Murray's number one. Um, no, just just nope. no. He's nope. not. He's uh, whatever. He's only 26, but he ran into a brick wall these past couple years. Just had not a couple years, but I mean, he just was not good this year. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, I know the Devils are supposedly going hard after him in free agency. He has three more years 
years at $7 million on his contract with the Flyers. And he's already 31 years old. That contract could get real sticky there. He was all kinds of hurt this year. Yeah. So that's a no for me. Josh Anderson's a young player. Um, he was hurt. He's had injury problems though the past couple of years, I'm pretty sure. He's also a restricted free agent. So he's definitely someone I could see get moved. Yeah. Um, he's He would be a solid bottom roll, uh, bottom couple line player. Um, I mean, eh. I don't think that's necessarily a big need for the Devils here, and he's going to be wanting to get paid. He's had a lot of disputes with the the Blue Jackets with yeah. trying to get this new contract. Oliver Ackman Larson, as we spoke about, Chris is a little fan of Ackman Larson, but the price just is too much, which I totally agree. I'm not that big of a fan of his, so we're passing on him as well. Patrick Line is here at five, and that's something I see a lot of Devils fans on Twitter being excited about. I mean, he's a great goal scorer, but when you go look into his numbers deeper, I mean, it's just not pretty defensively. It's really, really bad defensively. Yeah. So uh, that's a no for me on him. Winnipeg's going to want to get paid for him, too, if they move oh, him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're not getting him cheap. Uh, Another name I saw on here, which I was surprised about, was Shane Gossespear. Um, he was on here for Philly. I haven't really looked into him too much. He has a really nice contract. He's only getting paid yeah. $4.5 million for the next three years. That's something maybe the Devils want to look into. I, like I said, I haven't really looked into him much, so I don't have an opinion here. Yeah, I'm not surprised to see him um, on the list because he's been in like the trade rumors like ever since the video basically that. showed up. But there was yeah. no, never like any – concrete trade that came out of it it was just like oh he could be someone who's moved and it was just always that and so i'm not surprised to see him on the board but then again this has been going on for like at least a year with okay. Ghost, so i don't know <laughs> i don't see it actually happening you know yeah, I must have missed that. That's on me. But um, Kyle Palmer is at seven. Max Domi's at eight, which I found was interesting. He's a restricted free agent, so I guess maybe if Montreal can't work another deal, he'd possibly be moved. But he was yeah. just brought over there not too long ago, and I feel like he fits the type of hockey Montreal plays perfectly. So. Yeah. Um, Mark Andre Fleury's on here, the 35 year old goaltender. It seems like Robin Leonard is the guy over there. It'll be interesting to see if they resign Leonard. I think he'd be a great fit to stay there longer term in Vegas. I think he's found a really good fitting uh, footing. So Mark Andre Fleury is sitting here. I don't know where. I guess teams in desperate need of a goaltender, maybe a Colorado type team. He is getting paid yeah. seven million, so who knows? Um, Chris Letang's on here at ten. He's too old for my liking for the Devils. He's getting paid seven point two five mil. That's a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, Ryan DeSingles on here with Carolina. Um, number 12, who me and Chris both said we like, is Mr. Nikolai Ehlers. Yes. Uh, Winnipeg, only 24 years old. He's coming off a season where he's almost scored 60 points. Um, he's had two prior 60-point seasons as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. He has five more years on his contract at $6 million. That's awesome. Yes. He's under team control until 2025. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. Deeper dive into his traditional stats are great. Like I said, he's a 60-point guy. Um, his fancy stats are even better. I mean, it's beautiful. He's very reliable defensively, which is something like a player like this you really don't think of that much. But, I mean, yeah. he does in all ends. He's a, he's a very, very good hockey player. Winnipeg would be silly to try to move him, and he's on a very friendly contract. He's young. He does it all. He'd be a great player for the Devils, especially I think he's going to be a little undervalued by Winnipeg because they're probably going to be chasing after the big package for Line A. But Nikolai Zeller is a guy I would love to see in the red and black. Ship on that um, Vancouver first-round pick, Miles Wood, and whatever else to get it done. I don't know if that would get it done, but I don't yeah. know. 
So I'd be all on bringing them in. So yeah, just comes down to how much they're they want for him. Vince Dunn's at thirteen, and he's another guy I have listed here. Um, he's easily a top four defenseman. He's done great work yeah. over in St. Louis. He's also only twenty three years old. <laughs> yeah, I did not. Um, not know that i knew he's a younger guy didn't know he's 23 he is an unrestricted free or sorry a restricted free agent so if he gets moved whatever team deals for him is going to retain his rights and we'll be able to negotiate a longer term contract with him he's a left-handed d-man too and the devil's need a top four left-handed defenseman perfect like yes very badly this would be a perfect fit just like ehlers perfect fit great player i don't know how much it would take it, you know what? It might not take that much because St. Louis is strapped with money. This would probably be another cap room. They probably want to bring back Petrangelo. They're probably willing to take less to get this money off his books and not have mm-hmm. to pay him. I think it'd be a really, really good thing to investigate for New Jersey. He'd be a great player to bring in, man. Yeah, it's definitely something to investigate. But in my eyes, if uh, Vince Dunn only becomes available if they resign Petrangelo. If they can't resign Petrangelo, Vince Dunn is getting resigned because one hundred percent. They, they, they. St. Louis has the depth where if they lose Petrangelo, it's not like their blue line is just done. You know, they, they have the depth, and that includes Dunn. But if you bring back Petrangelo, then you can kind of afford to lose someone like Dunn or move them for an asset since he's an RFA. So. Yeah, so I agree there. Um, I feel like Dunn's only going to be moved if they are not able to get a Dunn. Uh, if they are able to get a deal done with Petrangelo. So, and next on the list at 14, I have another guy I really like, Alex Kalorn, Tampa Bay Lightning yep. left winger. Um, his underlying oh. statistics are all above leave average. His defensive metrics are really, really good. He's a really solid defensive forward. Um, he's a borderline 50 point scorer every year. And keep in mind, he's doing this while only playing about 15 to 16 minutes a night on a really stacked Tampa team. If he's traded to a team like New Jersey, he's automatically going to see top six minutes. And that average time of mice is probably going to go close to 20 minutes a night, especially how good he is defensively. Um, he is 30 years old, which is something to keep an eye out, but he's only making four and a half million. And this is only locked in until 2022, 2023. So it's like a really happy medium. He's locked in enough where if you trade assets for him, it's good because um, you don't have to feel bad about trading assets because he's locked down. You're going to have him under team control for a few years and it's not too many years given he's only 30. So um, yeah, this is a guy I really, really like for New Jersey as well. Um, Devils have a top six hole on their left side. So, um, do you, you Killorn fan, Chris? I am. I'm a fan of Killorn. I like all the work he's done in Tampa. I think he is a depth forward. That is his role. Um, so he'd definitely help out with the Devils in that regard. Well, I think he'd be a great top six guy for New Jersey. I know he's the best. Yeah, a hundred percent. He his numbers back it up too. I know he's served as a death row in Tampa, but I mean, every everywhere else in the NHL, but Tampa, Killorn would be a top six guy in my opinion, Hmm. just because Tampa's so loaded up there. But yeah, uh, we'll move on now. You could stop me here because I don't have anyone until we get to twenty. So if you have any of these guys you want to talk about, just let me know. We got fifteen is. Um, good friend, Adam Larson. I was a big Adam Larson guy when he played for the Devils. Um, mm-hmm. Right-handed guy. So he's only 27 still. That's crazy. Anyway, Jarrett McCann's at 16, 24-year-old forward for Pittsburgh. Andreas Johansson or Johnson? Yeah, it's Johnson. Andreas Johnson. 
no, look at look at the pronunciation with you. Um, he's a left winger, <laughs> only twenty five years old. Uh, this was a guy I was saying about talking more about. People yeah. looking at his numbers, they're they're okay. They're nothing fancy, so it's a pass for me. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen has been in trade rumors. I feel like for every single year he's been in the NHL. I mean, this dude's constantly <laughs> in these yeah. trade talks. He is. Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. He's not all that great of a defenseman. I know people think he's there in Buffalo and he's their best D man because all the time he plays and all that good stuff, but his numbers are ugly. Um, so another guy is Mr. Freddie Anderson, 30 years old already, man, 30 years old. Yeah. He was with the Anaheim ducks there for a little bit. Right. And then they shipped them out of town when John Gibson became the goat. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Freddie Anderson's the other one and number 20. And a guy I want to talk about real quick is Dougie Hamilton. He's another guy that's always on these trade talks. He's been traded a few times too in his career. He went from Boston to Calgary to Carolina, I think. Um, So when healthy, he is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. He was having a Norris Trophy-like season this year before he got hurt. His fancy stats, it's one of the most beautiful – um, RAPM charts I've looked at in my life. It's like he breaks it every single statistics that's on there. I reference these charts a ton. I think I've said what it is again. I'll just say it again here um, just to remind everyone. There is five bars on this RAPM chart. Um, there's three offensive stats. It's Corsi 4 per 60, expected goals 4 per 60, and I forget the third one. The two defensive stats are expected goals against per 60 and Corsi against per 60. And it's basically just a standard deviation from league average. And, of course, if you're below league average, that's not good. And you want to be above league average. And he's like three standard deviations above the league average in all of these bar charts on this graph. He's like a really, really good hockey player. He doesn't get the respect he deserves. Um, he was on pace for 70 points this year. Do you know that, Chris? No, I I didn't. He missed some yeah. time too, didn't he? Like he did. He he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, that's why he was ultimately not able to put up seventy. But he was easily having his best season. If he wasn't hurt, he would have been in the Norris Trophy conversation. Yeah. Um. He's usually a fifty-point guy. He's a right-handed defenseman, twenty-six years old. He's got one more year in his contract at five point seven five mil. So whoever's going to trade for him does have some risk there of him being a rental and him walking in free agency. So if the Dells were to trade for Dougie Hamilton, they'd have to get him locked up because you can't lose a guy like this to free agency because you're going to give up a ton for him. But um, yeah, Dougie Hamilton, love him. So. Yeah, I, oh. I, I agree. He's a solid defenseman. Um, I will say when this list first came out, the fact that uh, Freddie Anderson is on it, I remember I heard like Darren Dreger, I think, talking on like a TSN talk show. And he was talking about the idea of how Toronto would be very interested in bringing in Matt Murray and potentially moving Freddie Anderson. And it just blew my mind because I was like what? <laughs> I was like that Freddie's not your main issue <laughs> if anything I know, it, just, it, it, it drew me oh, crazy just thinking about like what is, the, what is the logic here What? what I, am I missing something? Like, <laughs> I'm like you should keep Anderson let Murray just go and focus on revamping your defensive core like oh man get Freddie some help first before you start pinning blame on him and stuff sheesh 
Yeah, it's just Toronto being Toronto, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that was our top 20, or not our top 20, a TSN trade bait board top 20 as of September yes. 1st. So that's a fun little thing. We'll keep tabs on that as we're going forward. Alrighty, so we're going to move to our second part of this episode, our part two of our full Devils offseason preview, breakdown, all that good stuff. Part one was episode 15. If you haven't, make sure you listen to that part because that'll, you kind of will, might be a little lost here when we get in this part because it's like a two parter and you need to know both of them. So, this one we're going to focus on, we're going to reiterate the holes we discussed in episode 15 in the Devils roster when we conducted a roster overview. We're going to talk about guys yeah, we want to see the Devils target in free agency. And then we're going to have an armchair GM segment where me and Chris get to uh, show off our hockey smarts and talk about how good we'd make the Devils if we had that power. So, uh, like I said, we're going to start out with just a reiteration of these holes in the Devils roster. We, Me and Chris, we were in agreement here that they need a top six left winger, uh, possibly up to two bottom six right wingers, a top four left-handed defenseman, a bottom pairing right-handed defenseman, and a backup goaltender. So these are the... Um, positional needs we've marked for the Devils with this impending offseason. Right, Chris? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll move on now to who the Devils should target in free agency. If you haven't noticed, we've been getting out a ton of content. I'm really proud of all the writers here um, at Devils Army blog. Been getting out free agent profiles basically on the daily during the week um we just released a profile on our good friend sammy Votnin on today which is tuesday um when you guys will be listening to this we released a Braden holpe on wednesday uh morning so check that one out if you haven't already we had a tj brody and radico gudis one last week chris wrote one on alex petrangelo Alex that's petrangelo. Who wrote one on um, he wrote one on Petrangel last week. We had a Mikael Granlund one. So we've been just turning out these free agent profiles. So keep keeping tabs on that. Um, so, yeah, basically, me and Chris are going to tell you our top three forwards to target for the Devils, top three defensemen to target for the Devils, and top three goalies to target for the Devils. Now, keep in mind, we're not saying I'm sign them all. We're just saying who we think would be the best options for the Devils to at least pursue and do their homework on. We're also going to give, like I said, I don't know if I said this, we're going to give honorable mentions as well. So, Chris, go ahead. Give me your top three forward free agents, unrestricted free agents you want to see the Devils pursue. So, in terms of uh, the unrestricted free agents, it's probably about four, maybe three or four. Um, I think you know, depending on it, all comes down to price at the end. What you negotiate for, um, I think Toffoli would be someone you inquire about. Uh, maybe Nemesnikov, uh, and this is Tyler Toffoli, Vladislav Nemesnikov. Yeah. Um, Mike Hoffman is another guy that you could, you know, obviously look at. Um, and then I will be writing a profile this week on Eric Halla, um, yes, potentially another be. forward that the Devils could look into. So, yes, keep an eye out for that. Um, okay, so these are your forwards. I got Evgeny Dadanov, which I wrote a profile on earlier yes, in the week too. or last week. Um, he plays left or right wing, so you get that versatility there. He'd be a solid top six guy that would fill that need there. Uh, Michael Froelich's a guy that had a little bit of a down season last year, um, but he's going to be a really, really cheap option, and you could plug him into the bottom six role on the right side, and he would be solid there. And uh, my third guys were... 
Matt Nito, who's a lower forward type for the Avalanche, and Josh Livio, who's a mm-hmm. lower forward type on the Maple Leafs. Yeah. So we those are too. Yeah, Jesper Faust is another guy. I'd probably put him in my top three over Nito yeah. or Levio or even bump him ahead of Michael Froelich here. Um, yeah, Rangers right winger. Faust, but... <laughs> yeah, he's a solid defensively. Um, yeah, I'm actually solid. talking about him more in a little bit. But yeah, so my top three are Dadanov, then Jesper Faust, and Michael Froelich. You'll notice here the forward free agency aren't all that great in comparison to defense. The defensive class is really, yeah. really deep. The forwards aren't all that not not they're they're bad but they're not all that spectacular even especially for what the devils are looking for so we'll move the defense for now uh, my number one option and i've stressed this i think many times wrote a profile on him is mr tj brody yes um, he's a hell of a player my number two and it's funny because i even knew this is what the response was going to get when i posted this profile um rodko gudis i absolutely love rodko gudis and i he's he's my number two target here right below brody um He's a really good bottom pairing, bottom four type defenseman. Um, and I knew as soon as I posted on the page <laughs> that people were going to be like, no, no way. And the first comment was like, no, in all caps, I had a period. <laughs> but these people, you got to read up on them. He's a really good D-man. Uh, He's good Brandon when Dillon's, he keeps his head straight and out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I, Devils haven't had a player that plays with the edge in such a long time, though. I mean, I, I know you don't want to be getting suspended and all that. But anyway, uh, Brendan Dillon's another guy. He's a little bit um, – he was on the capital. He's on the Capitals. Yeah, I he was I on think, the Caps. I know they were talking about re-upping him. I don't think they did yet, but that's something that – don't be surprised if he goes back to Washington. Um, but he's a really good defenseman. Be something – the devils could look into and then other guy i've listed here is trevor van reamsdyke <clears throat> he's another free agent be a solid bottom pairing guy on the right side um if devils are looking to fill that bottom pairing right side i think it'd be between gudas or trevor van reamsdyke so those are my four my top three of those brody gudas and uh brendan Dillon. yeah i had a pretty similar list to you i didn't uh i didn't have gudas in mind i i had a uh, tj brody um Joel Edmondson, Brendan Dillon, uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, I basically had those four as my top four that I think the Devils should pursue. I know we kind of talked about Edmondson at one point earlier, I believe. We might have a little bit slight differing view on him. but No, I mean, I'm not. he's not my top guy. Like, I didn't mention him, mm-hmm. but he's not a bad option. Um, yeah. He's a tougher guy, lays the body around. I don't think his underlying stats are all as pretty as I'd want him to be, but, I mean, he would be a bad option. He's a, he's a good guy to mention here. So, mm-hmm. um, We'll move the goaltenders now. And like I said, the Devils – not number one need, but it's it's very highly up there. It's a backup goaltender to compliment Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, you got Anton Kadobin, who's number one on my list. Thomas Grice, number two. Uh, Jacob Marstrom. I have three, but Marstrom's going to want a longer term contract. I don't think the devil should give anyone really any long type of long-term backup goaltender money. Um, that's just my opinion. Corey Crawford's another name on here. And then the last guy I have on here is Laurent Brossette, who is the backup netminder for the Edmonton Oilers this year. So those are – how many names did I just throw at you? Five? Yeah. Like four or five, yeah. So, uh, again, very similar list. I had Hudobin. I also had uh, Brossois, as you mentioned. Um 
I wouldn't mind Cam Talbot, but it sounds like Calgary's focusing on re-upping him, I think. He um, is. That's why I didn't include him. Yeah, it sounds like Calgary's focused on re-upping him. So if Cam Talbot's available, for sure, he'd, he'd be someone I would think yeah. that we should take a, take a look at. Um, outside of that, I mean, you got guys who have backup experience. Louis Domingue will be a free agent. I don't think the Devils reunite with him. Um, Aaron Dell is available too, but I think the the main guys that we covered, uh, James, you basically mentioned all the guys that I was looking at, Hudobin, Brassois. Um, like I said, Grice, I didn't mention just because I feel like he's more likely to stay in New York. Um, Who knows I don't if know. they're goaltenders? They're yeah. out the door every single year. Yeah. Um, really he's also on the that? older side. He's 37 now. Exactly, I think it'd be yeah. perfect for a one-year deal behind Blackwood. But like yeah, you said, if he doesn't I, I leave, there's that. nothing you could do about it. I but, agree with uh, that too. You know, all these guys have had really good numbers the past couple of seasons. The only guy that's numbers were a little underwhelming is Lauren Persaud, but I'll be talking about more on him. He had a decent here. start to the year. He kind of fell off and Hellebuck took back over. So. Oh, he was. I thought he was in Edmonton for some reason. He's in Winnipeg, right? Yeah, he's in Winnipeg. My bad. Yeah, Winnipeg, goaltender, Laurent Brossot. So, uh, yeah, that's our little free agent segment on who we want to target. Like I said, please keep uh, paying attention to our page. We're going to be getting churning out these free agent profiles uh, more and more as free agency closely approaches. Oh, my goodness, Chris. We forgot to talk about the news that just came out before we started filming this episode. Shame on us. <laughs> the NHL draft has been moved up to October Third, uh, right? I, I I actually did not see this. Yes, it happened not that long ago. Let me please. I'm sorry. Um, some little bad uh, <laughs> bad radio right now. So the NHL drafts <laughs> moving up a couple of days. First round will be October sixth, and the rest of the draft will be October seventh. Right after that, um, I believe it was Pierre LeBron that tweeted that NHL free agency will open on October 9th. So, ready? how about this? We got October 7th is the dra- – or October 6th, first day of the draft. October 7th, the second day of the draft. And then October 9th opens free agency. Better take off work. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend. <laughs> yeah, so sorry I forgot to mention that in the beginning. That's pretty important information that we uh, failed to mention. But anyway um, – so we're going to get into our armchair GM segment now, and this is going to be a little bit uh, – I'll, I'll start her out just so, Chris, you could see kind of the route I took here. So you could – if you want to follow suit or do whatever way you want to do it, that's fine. Okay. Um, I'll go first completely, and then you could go first. Um, we'll just talk about it as we go, or you go after me. Um, so I started here, did the whole thing. Kind of like I said, I want to bring everything we talked about together. Resigning. Devils have some restricted and unrestricted free agents. I want them to bring back Joey Anderson, Nick Merkley, Brett Cini, Josh Jacobs, Colton White. Those guys are all going to be tendered and they're going to be on like a one year, $800,000 contract. That's what they're going to be brought back. Maybe 950 K. I don't know how much they were making the previous year, but I believe it was in episode 15, how I broke down how restricted free agency works. And it's it's like a certain amount of money is added on to last year. It's some complicated formula, but that's that. 
Um, Jasper Bratt, Mackenzie Blackwood, also restricted free agents. Of course, you're going to bring them back, but they're going to get like the three-year deal. And we're talking about how much last episode. So expect like a longer deal contract for them. And that'll bring them to still, I believe, restricted free agency. And down the road in like three years from now is when they're really, really going to get their payday. So... The two guys I don't want them to bring back is John Hayden and Marco Mueller. Mueller, of course, we mentioned signed over in Switzerland. He can be brought back, but I wonder if that'll have any bearing if they bring him back or not. And then John Hayden as well is another guy I don't want them to see brought back. Under-restricted free agents, I would like to see them bring back Ben Street and Frederick Clayson. And I would not like them to bring back Brandon Baddock, Kevin Rooney, Dakota Mermis, and Zane McIntyre. So, like I said, we've all discussed in pretty good length about those guys. Bringing me to the draft now. So I tried being as realistic as possible here. Um, My ideal, of course, seventh overall pick would be Marco Rossi, but I think that's a little far-fetched there. I have Alexander Holtz penciled in here. I think that's the most realistic pick here. Um, 18th, of course, I want Mr. Seth Jarvis, but I don't think that's uh, all that realistic as well. So I have Dawson Mercer at 18th here. Um, another guy you could throw in here is Rodion Amirov or Noah Gundler, but for the sake of this segment, I'll go with Dawson Mercer. At 20th, I have our boy, Caden Gooley. Um, again, might be a little unrealistic. I just stuck him in here. If not Caden Gooley, give me Ryan O'Rourke um, as the other defenseman. Um, and for the sake of my armchair GM segment, I don't have them trading that pick, by the way. So, um, free agents, then to sign, I got, I got four free agents here. I would like the devil to sign TJ Brody, Rodko Gudis. There you go. You fix the defense and then you bring in Jesper Faust and Laurent Brassault on cheaper contracts. So you're, you're laying out some money here to Gudis and Brody. I'll talk about what type of contracts I see the devil's giving them. And then, um, Fast and Brissett as well. A trade. I have the Devils making a trade. I got them bringing over Alex Kalorn from Tampa Bay. As I spoke about before, Kalorn, he is 30 years old, but he's really, really good in his own end. His contract friendly is a couple more te- uh, years of team control. So now, before I turn it over to you, Chris, uh, I'm going to run through their depth chart and talk a little bit about these lines I made up hypothetically. I had a lot of fun with this, and I'm sure you did as well. Um mm-hmm. First line, I have Jester Bratt, Nico Heeshear, and Kyle Palmieri. Line two, I have Alex Kalorn, Jack Hughes, and Nikita Gusev. Keep in mind, Kalorn's going to be making hang on, 4 million, I think it's 4 million flat, or it might be like 4,350,000, something like that. So that's going to be what his contract will be there. So I know I've been, it's funny because I've been preaching to you, and you know this, how Pablo Zaka should be their fourth line center. But for the sake of my lines, I have him <laughs> on line three. With I have Zaka at the left wing, and I have Zajac and Jesper Foss. That's a line three. And then I have Yanni Kokkinen, Jesper Boquist at the fourth line center, and Joey Anderson at fourth line right wing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> left-handed defenseman, I got TJ Brody, and right-handed defenseman, Damon Severson. That's their first pairing defense. Imagine that. Second pairing, you got Will Butcher and P.K. Subban. And then their third pairing, got Ty Smith and Rodko Gudas. Um, and goaltender starter, Mackenzie Blackwood, backup, Laura Brassot. Healthy scratches, you got Connor Carrick, Nick Merkley, and Michael McLeod. So I'll just talk a little more about my uh, depth chart here. 
Um, TJ Brody, I have him at a projected four-year contract worth four and a half million. I got Rado Kogudis at a two-year contract worth three million three hundred thousand. Um, just for Foss contract, um, a year he'll probably sign to a year uh, around like a million and a half, two mil. Not much money for him there. He's not going to be wanting a lot. Uh, or not not going to be wanting a lot, but he's not going to be that pricey of an investment. <sighs> Although the Zaka, Brat, Gusev line worked well together, that can't be a top six line this year if the Devils want to contend. Nothing against those players, but you got to split them up. You know, uh, Brat and Gusev, they're the top six guys. Zaka is showing he's not a top six option really anymore, or really hasn't been. Um, Jesper Brat and Nico. Hishir and Kyle Palmieri I have listed as my first line. We saw a lot of this line last year, and it worked really well. They had an expected goal of almost 60, so that's a really good line there. I kept them together in first line. Second line, um, we have two guys that struggled defensively, one in Jack Hughes, who was not good at all defensively, and Nikita Gusev, who started out really, really poor defensively, but turned it around towards the end. I coupled them with a really good defensive forward in Alex Kalorn. Um, you got Gusev and Hughes, the playmakers, and Kalorn's actually a pretty good goal scorer. He had 28 goals this year in like 60 games, which is pretty good um, total. So that's my second line. I got the third line. You always need a defensive line, and boy, no one's going to be scoring goals on a Zaka's Ajax Foss line. All those guys are really, really good defensively. Um, offense might be a little rough, but you all need those defensive stalwart third line so that's what you got there fourth line you just got a whole bunch of kids you got Kokin and Boquist Anderson I feel like that'd be a lot of fun to watch um TJ Brody Damon Severson that would be a great top pairing um Will Butcher and PK Subban played a ton together last year and that needs to be a thing this year Subban was at his best when he was with Butcher and it was actually the best Devils defensive pair minimum only 10 minutes ice time um they had a 52 percent Corsi together and keep in mind Devils as a team was like a 48 percent Corsi and their expected goals was 54.36 which was also really good and I got the Ty Smith offensive and Rod Kogutis defensive defenseman duo at the third pairing so yeah that's that's how um, James's Devils would look if he was at the helm of the New Jersey Devils. So enough out of me, Chris. Take her away. Well, he definitely put together a masterful roster there. Thank you, my friend. Um, mine is uh, still a little bit of a work in progress because Cap Friendly is not being as friendly as I wanted them to be. I tried to use them <laughs> just to try and track like the salary to be realistic. Um, they, I tried to like delete a guy and it won't delete it. So salary's off on that. But um, basically, the main guy for a forward that I targeted in free agency uh, would be Tyler Toffoli. I feel like he'd be a good uh, not-break-the-bank forward to, to bring in that could help out. Um, we saw what he did in L.A. Uh, with them not being a successful team this year. Um, in terms he, could play of the, either forward, he could play either wing, too. Yeah, I'm he can sure. play either wing. Um, in terms of like a depth forward, um, let's see. I had him pulled up here. Uh, I'll come back to the forwards because that's where basically cat friendly kind of messed me up a little bit. But good. Um, in terms of the defensemen, the main two I looked at were TJ Brody, like James said, and uh, I looked at Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Um, I considered Joel Edmondson, but I, I was leaning more towards TVR here. Um, again, it's going to be a pretty similar decor to what James mentioned with his lineup. Uh, you, you're going to have, you know, Damon Severson and uh, Brody. You're going to have P.K. Subban, Will Butcher, and then, you know, Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Ty Smith, we're assuming. There you go. So, yeah, that's another really good option there. So, mm-hmm. 
Uh, goaltending, I really didn't look too much past Anton Hudobin or Brassois. Uh Those were the two that I looked at. I ended up going with Hudobin in this situation. Uh, if he becomes available, who knows? He's kind of done a lot for Dallas here in the playoffs, so he might he might stay. Um, in terms of the guys they already have, I mean, it's pretty obvious who they're going to re-sign. You know, Brat, uh, Blackwood we talked about, um, Boquist, Anderson, Markley, they're all going to get signed in my opinion. Um, I was in favor of bringing back Clayson and Mermis just for defensive depth. Uh, even though you already are going to have Connor Carrick as the seventh D-man, it, it doesn't hurt to have that depth in the system. Um in terms of the goaltending, I did also bring back Zane McIntyre. Just, again, depth in the system, really all it was. Uh, and he played all right once he came over from Vancouver, even though he didn't have that great of numbers coming over. Um, in terms of trades, uh, the main thing I focused on was how do you move Schneider's contract? <laughs> um and I entertain, you know, okay, any kind of deal is probably going to involve retaining salary. Um, I was like, what if a team gave up like a fifth or sixth and the Devils retained like half the salary or something? I looked at that. Um, gives a little bit more cap room, but that's that's basically where I got to before cap friendly just started not being friendly with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I forgot to mention there. So my whole perspective has the Devils trading Miles Wood and the Alex Kalorn deal. I really think they're going to look to trade Wood. I feel like the Devils have been looking to trade him for the past few seasons. I don't um, – people really do not like Miles Wood, and I – I could see why his numbers aren't all that great, and I know I'm a big I'm a big guy of the advanced stats, and his advanced stats are just ugly. But Miles Wood's speed just brings another dimension to that lineup. Um, it's a bowl in a china shop, and he's very good at drawing penalties too with that speed. So, um, but I think he's going to get moved. Also, talk a little about uh, Lauren Percet here, the Winnipeg Jets backup netminder. So he did struggle this year. His save percentage was eight nine five, which is below league average. But the previous year was all the way up at nine two five, and you're just hoping he gets that level again. If the Devils were to bring him in, I think there's a chance he'd be able to. But I think he'd be a sub. Um, so I've got to bring in on a one-year deal to back up Blackwood. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's all I have. Chris, do you want to have any more to your armchair GM, or are you all set? I'm basically all set right where I am. Like I said, I ran into some issues with Cap Friendly not being friendly. So, all good. All good. Yeah, so, yeah, that's our episode. Um, we got to play a little GM here. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us babble on about that um we had quite a bit of news and hockey this week um i promise you we'll be we should we haven't talked about scheduling yet but an episode should probably be released um monday next monday um this one's getting cut on wednesday so yeah that's all i have um chris you want to add anything let's go devils off season's coming up quick and we're going to be churning out a lot of content Yes, we are. So, all right, everyone, be safe out there. We'll uh, talk to you guys soon. Peace.